Greetings and welcome. I'm Jane Barton, and this is Cardinal Musings, a podcast focused on the issues of paramount importance as we age, what I call cardinal concerns. So grab a cup of coffee, settle into your favorite chair. It's time to chat. Over the past two and a half years, I've presented numerous programs about change and transition, death and dying, grief and loss. These are subjects I've researched and studied over the past two decades, issues that are of universal concern to each and every one of us as we live, love, and age. Although part of the lived experience, these universal concerns are more than a wee bit daunting, particularly in this day and time. We've all been through so much since March of 2020 when COVID landed on our shores and changed life forever. Since then, the world seems to be unraveling at the seams. Political and social unrest, financial insecurity, global conflict, persistent health concerns. Geez, the world is so different, and we are different. So life feels different. Needless to say, we're weary of dealing with life-changing twists and turns and the subsequent losses each and every day. We don't know what to do with our sorrow, with our sadness, with the gaping voids created by so many heartbreaking losses, individual and collective losses that continue to accumulate. Consider the recent shooting in Texas. The images of the Uvalde community are all too familiar and all too painful. How are we to bear this massive burden of loss? What are we to do with this oppressive emotional angst? Oh, that I had a succinct answer for you and for me. But alas, I'm struggling like everyone else. So please know I don't profess to have a tube of magical caulk to fill in the gaps created by the seamless, endless losses of today. However, I do know that in order to integrate loss into the fabric of our being and move on with life, knowledge of grief and mourning is mandatory. I realize talking about loss, grief, and mourning is probably not on your list of favorite things to do. I get it. And it's for this very reason I am even more motivated to go there with you. With a little bit of knowledge about loss and grief, with an enhanced understanding of the nature of grief. My hope is that you can deal with your experience of loss in a more proactive, life-giving manner. As you will hear shortly, I learned many lessons the hard way when it comes to loss. Today, I want to share some personal stories of loss and the lessons I learned along the way. My hope is that you will hear something of benefit as you deal with your own losses. Or perhaps you'll gain an insight into the nature of grief and loss that will help you navigate the choppy seas of late. As a product of my family system and the society in which I live, my response to the first significant loss in my life, the death of my mom, was avoidance, a reaction that did not serve me well. I thought if I ignored my pain that it would dissipate, poof, it would just vanish. With time, the sorrow would seep out of my pores and vanish from my life. Oh, that it were that easy, right? Additionally, I didn't have a courageous companion willing to listen to my story of loss. 
Hence, I never put words to my sorrow. Instead, I stuff the story and my pain deep into the dark recesses of my soul. I believed it was my cross to bear, to bear alone. Furthermore, I was frightened by the intensity of my pain. I feared annihilation if I allowed myself to feel the sorrow and sadness related to mom's death. Ultimately, what I learned about grief and loss informs how I choose to live today. Instead of playing it safe emotionally, I'm now willing to risk the pain of grief in order to savor the experience of loving and being loved. So let me share a story with you that helps to explain this. The death of my mom had an extraordinary impact on my life. My mom died when I was 24. Being relatively young, I had a little experience with death and consequently had no idea how to process my loss. I didn't know how to grieve and mourn. I didn't know what to do with my pain and sorrow. The year following my mom's death brought additional significant changes that served to distract my attention. It wasn't a conscious choice to ignore my pain, but a pattern of behavior that evolved over time. It wasn't until I experienced another significant loss in life, my divorce, that I realized how my unmourned grief served to hold me back and weigh me down. Unconsciously, I had decided that I would not allow anyone else to get close enough to hurt me again. I would never again feel the intensity of pain I felt for my mom. I opted to emotionally disengage from life. Well, for 12 years, I was quite successful at keeping people at arm's length. I lived a very safe life. No major highs, no major lows. I flatlined emotionally. Believe me, it's an incredibly effective way to live if you want to be absolutely numb, incredibly safe. No one can touch your heart. No one can hurt you. But the price for being pain-free is that you feel absolutely nothing. Strangely enough, when the walls came tumbling down in the midst of my divorce, I relished the sense of emotional pain because I felt alive again. I felt something. Since then, re-engaging life has been both challenging and invigorating. Being open and vulnerable to the losses of life is certainly difficult at times. And yet, despite the risk of loss, I can never imagine playing it safe again. I don't want to exit this life untarnished and untouched. In fact, I hope to exit gently used, deeply loved, and fully invested in life. To truly understand the journey of grief, it's important to distinguish grieving from mourning and to realize we must do both in order to move through our sorrow and live beyond it. In the simplest of terms, grief is how we feel about loss. Mourning is what we do with our grief. So grief is that internal emotional reaction to loss 
the knot in your stomach, the lump in your throat, feeling as if your heart is literally breaking. Mourning, on the other hand, is what we do to process our emotional angst. It's crying, raging, screaming, laughing, praying, writing, singing, and creating. It is finding a conduit through which we can move our emotions and process our pain. According to Alan Wolfelt, an expert in grief and loss and a well-known author and speaker, we as a society grieve mightily, but we mourn very poorly. Just think about it. We actually discourage the act of mourning. When someone is crying, what's your natural reaction? Handing the person a box of Kleenex? Well, probably. But what's the underlying message there? Please stop crying, right? And what about our corporate bereavement policies? If you're lucky, when a family member dies, you receive five days of bereavement leave. But more than likely, it will be three days. And if the person who died is not a family member, then you have to take personal time off. As if your pain is any less, right? And then there is the unrealistic expectation that we will get over our grief in some prescribed period of time, usually one year. So if you are still grieving after a year, and you will be with a significant loss, People may be critical of your inability to move on with your life. All of these responses reflect our ignorance of grief and the process of grieving and mourning. When I was in college, I shared the experience of grieving and mourning with my godmother. At the time, I failed to realize the lesson being offered about loss. It was only decades later when reflecting on the significant losses in my life that I recognized the image of mourning from that period of time and the importance of that process. Allow me to explain. After my godfather died, I moved in with my godmother. It was an incredibly busy time of my life, I was attending college, working, taking care of my mom during her chemo treatments, but I didn't want Aunt Jane to be alone as she adjusted to life without the love of her life. So I tried to fill a small portion of the huge void in her life at that moment. And in return, Aunt Jane taught me what courageous mourning looked like, what it sounded like, and what it felt like. I remember the first night I heard her crying on the stairs. I was in the dining room studying for an exam the following day. At first, I didn't recognize the sound. And then I realized Aunt Jane was trying to muffle the sound of her crying so as not to disturb me. I walked to the foot of the stairs and looked up to see her huddled on a step leading to her bedroom. When she saw me, she started crying uncontrollably. I walked up the stairs, sat down, and wrapped my arms around her. We sat there for hours, crying, talking, laughing, and just being. I had never witnessed such raw grief, such courage, and such determination. I'd never seen Aunt Jane this vulnerable. It was concerning, frightening, and humbling all at the same time. Every night after that, we met on the stairs at the same time to cry, to talk, to laugh, and to be. 
At the time, I didn't realize or appreciate the gift of our time on the stairs, but today I do. Aunt Jane taught me what it takes to mourn and to gradually heal. Furthermore, she taught me that the pain of grief doesn't negate the eternal joy of having loved well. Needless to say, I learned more on the stairs than in class that semester. Although we never get over the grief of a significant loss, the intensity of our sorrow evolves as we do the hard work of mourning. It's like honing the sharp edges off a piece of glass or metal. Over time, the rough edges of grief can be ground down to a smooth finish. Yes, the void created by loss remains, but the pain is no longer debilitating. It doesn't cut through our soul. By investing ourselves in the process of grieving and mourning, we develop a new relationship with the loss and thus a new understanding. Basically, the loss means something different. We interpret it differently. This is referred to as a process of reconstructing meaning, a process that takes time, energy, and effort, an investment that reaps life-giving dividends, allowing us to experience our sense of loss in a different way. This transformed relationship with our loss then allows us to move through life differently, to assume a different posture. For example, after my brother died in 2016, I initially found it very difficult to play golf. You see, my brother loved the game of golf. In fact, we grew up playing golf starting at the age of nine. In fact, my brother invested his time, energy, and passions into the game for many decades. As adults, we enjoyed many rounds of golf during family gatherings and holidays. I have so many fun memories of walking the links with my brother. And I will never forget the week we shared, attending the Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. That was sheer heaven for both of us. Hence, it's not surprising that after my brother died, playing golf released a flood of emotions that emotionally slayed me. Being on the golf course seemed to magnify the void in my life. My grief felt bigger on the golf course, overwhelming. But then I remembered a similar experience after the death of my mom many years before. With mom, it was a fragrant reminder that revealed how our relationship with loss evolves as we grieve and mourn. Remembering that previous lesson learned certainly helped me as I grieve the death of my brother. Perhaps my story about lilacs will help you as well. Every spring, my mom and I conducted a lovely lilac ritual, a family tradition. When our lilac bush bloomed, we poured a glass of iced tea and grabbed a lawn chair. We then sat beside the bush and enjoyed the familiar fragrance as we talked about life. I remember the radiant smile on mom's face sitting beside our scrawny little bush. She was reliving wonderful childhood memories. She and her grandfather greeted every spring season by walking through fields of lilacs on the family farm, savoring the distinctive fragrance and chatting about anything and everything. 
So every year with the first hint of blooming lilacs in the air, Mom delighted in sharing her memories with me and celebrating the season of rebirth and life. Throughout my childhood, Mom and I reenacted the ritual in our backyard and created our own memories of spring. My mom died in mid-April of 1981. As you might imagine, that spring was tough, to say the very least. Initially, my family focused on the logistical issues, practical matters that needed to be handled. To be honest, my recollection of that time is somewhat spotty. Mom was the heartbeat of our family. We were all devastated by her death. But there is one moment that is indelibly etched on my heart. A week after Mom died, I went to the bank to close some accounts. As I rounded the corner of the building, I encountered a lilac bush in full bloom. The characteristic fragrance hit me like a two-by-four in the face, and I collapsed on the sidewalk. A flood of emotions overwhelmed me. I was sobbing, gasping for breath, totally debilitated. In that instant, I was reminded of all that I had lost. I was reminded of the huge hole in my heart. The pain was almost more than I could bear, or so I thought. Forty-one years later, the fragrance of lilacs still brings tears to my eyes every spring, but they are tears of joy instead of sorrow. Now when I catch my first whiff of lilacs, I think, Ah, Mom's here. I am reminded of the constant spiritual presence of my mother instead of her physical absence. I rejoice in the amazing bond we shared and continue to share. I remember the times we welcomed and celebrated the coming of spring. Amazingly, the fabulous fragrance of lilacs once again signals the promise of renewal, growth, and life a lovely, timeless connection to mom, another lesson of loss that took some time to fully appreciate, but once done, a lesson that continues to serve me well. Our understanding and experience of loss evolves as the meaning of the loss changes. Well, my friends, that is probably enough for now. I know that talking about grief and loss, confronting our feelings, it's emotionally challenging and draining. However, it's important to do so one step at a time. Think about it this way. Grief and mourning is a touch-and-go process. We can't process and integrate loss in one fell swoop. Instead, it's a lifelong journey of reconciliation. Recognizing and touching our pain, feeling it, expressing it, and then taking a little break to recharge and refresh. Gradually, day by day, we integrate loss into our lives. And by so doing, we remain available, accessible, and open to life. I acknowledge that living in this way, engaged and invested, it's risky. We risk experiencing future losses. But in like fashion, if we are willing to risk that future loss, we then have the opportunity to embrace and to enjoy the life-giving relationships and moments 
right here and right now, today. We were not born to play it safe, my friends. Instead, we have the chance each and every day to live life to the tips of our hair. Let's take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to squeeze the life out of life each and every moment. Please don't let your fear of loss inhibit your ability to live. That would be the greatest loss of all. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you heard something of benefit. I also offer virtual programs and reflections on similar topics. If interested, please check out my website to review upcoming events and to read my blog at cardinallife.com. Send any questions, comments, or suggestions to my email, cardinallife at msn.com. I look forward to musing with you again in the very near future about other cardinal concerns. Till then, take good care and remember to enjoy the moment. Blessings to you and yours.